Well, former President Trump dominated the Iowa caucus yesterday. What were the results, the numbers, what happens now? Steve Dace is going to give us his analysis. I am also going to give you my perspective of the candidate still in the race and why I am supporting uh, the person that I am supporting. Uh, and then we'll have some fun, lighthearted things at the end of this episode. It's brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week and that you are staying warm wherever you are. I think that there are very few places in the United States right now where that um, does not apply. I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that there is a 150 degree difference between the south of Florida and North Dakota. 150 degrees. Oh my goodness. If you live in North Dakota, how? How? How do you do that? I wonder every year how people like that survive. More power to you. You must be having a good time watching all these people doing like cold plunge, like voluntarily getting cold in order to toughen up when really that has been your whole life. Everyone is trending North Dakota now. All right, let's talk about a different state, which is also probably cold, I would guess, and that is the state of Iowa. We are going to talk about the Iowa caucus today, uh, which was yesterday, and we are going to have Steve Dace, who is an expert in the Iowa caucus, in Iowa politics, Iowa Republican politics, really national politics too, but since he is in and from the state of Iowa, he has a lot of particular insight for us. And so we're going to have him on the show in just a little bit and discuss that. And if we have time, we'll have a little lighthearted segment at the end of this talking about the Emmys. It was the Emmys, right? The Emmys. See, I'm I'm so in the know that I can't even remember the name of the awards show that we might be talking about. But first, let's get into this. Let's get into what happened in the Iowa caucuses yesterday. Um, so we haven't really been talking that much about politics for the last few months, but you guys know it's 2024. Politics matter because policy matters because people matter. Politics affects policy. Policy affects people. That's what we have been saying on this show since the beginning, since 2018. And so even though we like to talk about these more evergreen culture war theological topics, I think it's so important to have those conversations. We're going to have more of them this week. We also have to have the episodes dedicated to what is going on right now. What's going on in this news cycle? What's going on in the polling numbers? What happens in November is hugely consequential for the future of our country and for our children. So if we care about what kind of nation we are passing down to our future generations, uh, to our to our uh, progeny, uh, we have to care about what is going on in politics. As tiring as it can be, uh, as frustrating as it can be, as polarizing and divisive as it can be, as sometimes as anxiety-inducing as it can be, this is something that we absolutely have to care about. And believe it or not, we are back in an election year, and the primary has officially started. It started in the state of Iowa. So. Yesterday, 
Iowa voters went to select their pick for the Republican presidential nominee. Voters met at uh, about 1,600 precincts across the state, including school gyms, church basements, libraries, to vote for their nominee. According to Real Clear polling, Trump had a 33-point lead in Iowa going into the caucus. So President Trump won. Spoiler alert. Uh, if you didn't already know that, uh, he won. And that was the prediction going in to yesterday. Uh, the race was very quickly called for President Trump. Uh, he won by a significant margin at 51 percent. There was some controversy about this. The DeSantis campaign in particular, I think, rightfully complained that the media started calling the race before uh, everyone in Iowa had voted. So even though the doors had closed at uh, many of these voting locations, not everyone had voted. And so they're in line to vote for their candidate of choice. They get a notification on their phone saying that the race has been called for Trump. Well, that's going to ultimately hurt uh, DeSantis's numbers, even Nikki Haley's numbers, because people are thinking, well, what's the point? Does my vote even count? I think it is malpractice for these media outlets to call the race before everyone has voted. What is the harm in waiting just a little bit? But in this like clicky culture uh, that we live in, every outlet has to be the first to get the most attention, to get the most retweets, etc., and to be used for the most commentary. And so So there were a lot of complaints, a lot of frustration about that, that these media outlets were calling it so early. It's not that they weren't correct because they were ultimately correct. But again, just very demoralizing for the people who were still in line and hadn't yet voted. Uh, In second place came Governor Ron DeSantis uh, with 21.2 percent, followed by Nikki Haley, 19.1 percent. Now, did Governor DeSantis perform Worse than I think people would have predicted one year ago. Yes, I think a lot of people when DeSantis was uh, at the height of his popularity, the center of uh, so many news stories sometime at the beginning of last year and the year before that, I think everyone thought that he was going to run away with the primary. But based on recent polling, he actually outperformed recent polling. Recent polling had put Nikki Haley at second, Ron DeSantis at third. Um, But it was actually Nikki Haley who came in third, but very close. So Ron DeSantis, 21.2%, according to CNN, followed by Nikki Haley with 19.1%. And then there's Vivek Ramaswamy. We have had, uh, let's see, we've had a lot of these people on our show. We've had Trump on our show. We've had Haley on our show. We've had Governor, Governor DeSantis. Uh, no, we have not had Haley on our show. We've had Governor DeSantis on our show and Vivek Ramaswamy on our show. But we have not had Nikki Haley on our show. Hopefully that will change. We have asked several times. I would love for the ambassador to come on our show. But Vivek Ramaswamy, he dropped out of the presidential race Monday night after a fourth place finish. Um, I'm not sure necessarily if that was a surprise to people following the polls, but if you are someone who just gets your news from X, then you might have thought that he was going to perform better. I would say that he is the candidate for much of the online right because he is very, very good at articulating uh, the positions of people who are very online, which is not a bad thing. It's just what it is. But he he is now endorsing former President Trump. That doesn't come as a surprise at all. He was very complimentary of Trump uh, as he was running. Now, just a few days ago, Trump 
uh, I guess not tweeted, but he posted on Truth Social um, that Vivek Ramaswamy is basically a swindler, that he's a con man and that he is not really MAGA, that he can't carry on MAGA. And then you saw that echoed by some MAGA people on X as well, even people on X who had just recently said that they love Vivek Ramaswamy, that they want him as the VP pick. Of course, they have to echo everything that former President Trump uh, said. Uh, Now, Nikki Haley, after she came in third, she had an interesting analysis of the conclusions of the Iowa caucus. So uh, let's play SOT1. Here is Haley's, uh, Haley's takeaway. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Between whom? (laughs) A two-person race between Trump and DeSantis? A two-person race between Trump and you? But you came in third place. So maybe I'm misunderstanding what exactly she's saying there, but I don't think that that's the case, Nikki Haley. I I don't think that that's the case. But again, you can come on my show and you can explain exactly what you meant by that. uh, If you would please kindly reply to our requests. Um, The New Hampshire caucus is next week. And so we'll see what goes down there. Uh, Here's the uh, here's the polling data right now on that. Trump, 52.5%. Nikki Haley, 18.8%. Um, and then DeSantis, 15.7%. Now, we'll see what happens. Again, DeSantis, his favorables are good. And uh, he actually had, there were some interesting uh, interesting analysis actually on uh, DeSantis and what demographics he actually won, which I think is good long term. I don't know if it's going to help him in the primary. But if you look at the exit polling from the Iowa caucus, um, 35% of 17 to 20 29-year-olds, and we can put that graphic up. Uh, This is actually not an exit poll. It's an entrance poll from CNN. Uh, 35% of 17 to 29-year-olds voted for DeSantis. Now, that was the only age group uh, that Trump did not win. So 23% of that demographic for Haley, 21% for Ramaswamy, which is also interesting because if you spend time online, you would think that all Gen Z loves Vivek. Um, And then 21% for Trump, but 35% for DeSantis. It was the boomers 65 and older who really uh, who really are in the Trump camp. 56% of 65 and older voted for Trump versus only 17% for DeSantis. That's so interesting. That's, uh, gosh, that's so interesting. I have a lot of thoughts, but I haven't fully formulated them yet. And so I'll have to share them on a future episode. Also, my dad is going to come on soon and he's going to give us some analysis of these things. He's going to be giving us a lot of political analysis this year. You guys love when my dad comes on. He has a way of explaining things very clearly, but in a way that makes us feel like uh, the sky is not falling. Um, And so he'll be here. Maybe he can give us some boomer analysis from a boomer himself on why They're so in Trump's camp and don't like DeSantis. Very interesting, or at least in the state of Iowa. I don't know if that's true generally. 
Okay, quick pause to tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Seven Weeks. I love Seven Weeks Coffee, not just their product, which is super high quality, sustainably sourced, and all that good stuff, and it just tastes really good, but also because of the values that it promotes. It's promoting godly values, it's providing excellent coffee, and this is my favorite part, they're protecting every beating heart. They donate 10% of every sale of seven weeks coffee to pregnancy centers across America. This is a significant portion of their profits. This is part of why they started the company because they want to help save lives. And you guys know that these pregnancy centers, they are providing free resources for these moms in need to help make sure they keep their babies. So thanks to people like you buying seven weeks coffee, the company has now raised over 250 thousand dollars for these pregnancy centers. They're supporting over 750 pro-life organizations. It's amazing. So this is just a win. Get your coffee from Seven Weeks Coffee. Go to sevenweekscoffee.com. Use promo code Allie. You'll get 10% off your order. Sevenweekscoffee.com code Allie. Joy Reed has some very incredible analysis, as she always does, the most brilliant, the most brilliant analysis on why Trump won Iowa and Nikki Haley did not. So here's what Joy Reid of MSNBC has to say. This is sought to. But, you know, I feel like the, the important sort of data point and, and, you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's, he's going to probably talk about it a little more tonight is that these, these are white Christians. That this is a state that is overrepresented by white Christians that are going to participate in these caucuses, especially tonight. They see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country, and Trump has promised to give it back to them. All the things that we think about, about electability, about, you know, what are people gaming out or Mm -hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a is a fraudulent American. That is obviously that's obviously ridiculous. That is obviously a ridiculous analysis. Uh, Now, I have my own uh, questions about why, when there are other Republican candidates on the table, people are so solidly, and so many people are so solidly for Trump. I'm not saying that I don't understand it at all and that I'm completely confused about it. I'll be honest, during the primary in 2016, I was confused about it. I understand more now for better and for worse, why so many people are solidly pro-Trump and will not step outside of the MAGA camp no matter what he says or does. Um, But do I think that this is because Trump voters see themselves as the rightful white inheritors of this country, inheritance of this country, and that every black or brown or non-Christian person Uh, is some kind of phony or some kind of second-class citizen? No. I know for a fact that that is not the case. In fact, I would say that Trump's base is less Christian than the left thinks it is and a lot more secular, a lot more pluralistic, a lot more, quote-unquote, open-minded about a lot of issues like LGBTQ issues and abortion than the supporters of someone like, say, DeSantis. And so this is going to be the bell that they're ringing. This is going to be the only analysis that they are able to give because they are very unintelligent and unoriginal. They can't come up with anything interesting to say or 
true or accurate to say about why people support Donald Trump. And so they will say ridiculous things like this. Uh, Now, I do want to, on that note, I want to read something that Beth Moore said. Um, And because I know that y'all love to hear analysis by Beth, Miss Beth Moore. Um, And this is also analyzing the evangelical support of Donald Trump. She said, sobered by last night and trying to practice what people call radical acceptance, not of a presidential candidate because surprising things happen, just plainly sobered by the thought that with other individuals to choose from, masses of people still hail Trump. He's what they actually want in a leader, a bully. She says, verbally abusive, artfully and purposely divisive bully who has all but left the Republican Party unrecognizable. I can't read the whole thing right now because it's very long. But she says, as the scriptures say, I want to seek peace and pursue it. I want to be a person of kindness, love and compassion. But I've got to move to a place of radical acceptance. It was one thing to cast a vote for the for a party's only candidate, reasoning the choice is the lesser of two evils. This is quite another thing. This is wide open eyed. We want Trump. Anyway, this is where we are. We can complain all we want about our leaders. But in this government by the people at the end of the day and beginning of November, our candidate are mirrors of ourselves. And so some of the confusion and the questions that she has, okay, that's fine. I can relate to that, as I just said, in a primary field where I think that there is a more conservative and Christian candidate. I think that it is odd to pick someone who is less conservative and less in line with Christian ideals. But to say that people want these aspects of Trump, to be verbally abusive, to be a bully, whatever it is, however she describes him. That's not true. Now, is it true for a contingency of people who support Donald Trump? They actually like that he turns his back on people who used to work for him, that he now deems disloyal, that they that he that they like the name calling and things like that. I'm sure that there are some people who support Donald Trump who genuinely like and prefer all of those things. That's not true for most of these boomers who are voting for Donald Trump. Uh, They see him as someone who is fighting against the system. Again, I'm not necessarily agreeing with all of these things, but they see him as someone who is fighting against the system. They see him as a victim of the system, of the vi- as a victim of the establishment. They see how um, these institutions like the intelligence agencies, uh, like state governments, the federal government is coming after him. And they think that they are all coming after him because he is trying to fight for good and to fight against evil. And they saw what happened in the 2020 election when admitted by Time magazine, there were several entities and several institutions, global and national, who worked as hard as they possibly could, expended as much money and energy as they possibly could to ensure that Trump was not elected. I think that they just even just look at that and say, okay, there's got to be something to this guy. If all of the people that we don't like are after him, then he must be accomplishing something good. And I think they also look at things like, look, there was peace in the Middle East least unprecedented while Trump was president. Our economy was doing well while Trump was president. Um, We uh, were able to overturn Roe because of Trump's Supreme Court picks. And so I think they're looking at things like that 
They don't necessarily like a lot of the things that he says. They don't necessarily like all aspects of his character and personality, but they look at his track record and they see things that they like. Now, again, as we'll get into in just a second, I would say that he's not conservative enough, but I can look at some of the things that he accomplished during his presidency. And I can say, wow, that was really good. The fact that we overturned Roe, that in and of itself, saving tens of thousands of lives, I can look at that and understand why someone would say, he's our guy. He's the only one who can fight against the system. He's the only one that's going to really get things done and accomplish things. Again, whether you agree with that or not, there is a much more innocuous uh, justification for someone voting for Donald Trump in the primary than someone like Beth Moore is letting on. And Beth, like, I understand, though, your confusion about, okay, we've got these other candidates over here. If you're a Republican and you're a conservative, why Trump? I get that. I get asking that question. But assuming the worst motives of the people who are voting for him, you're indicting millions of Americans who you are saying all support a bully because they themselves are bullies or love bullies. That's just not true. There are better understandings, like there are better reasons. Maybe talk to some of those people. Now, some of those people, I think they do some, they do have just like a cult-like mentality about Donald Trump. Like you could say anything, you could tell them, okay, look, this is what he has said. I bet you don't agree with that. I bet you don't agree with that. And they will straight up tell you to your face that you are lying. Or they will find some kind of crazy reason and justification for why he said what he said or did what he did. It is kind of insane. But a lot of people, they're not paying attention to the 24-7 news cycle. They're not seeing everything that he's posting. They don't know everything that he said. And they just look at his list of accomplishments and the way they feel that he is unjustly being targeted. And that's why they're voting for Donald Trump. So, okay, I understand your questions. Maybe some of those are fair questions, but the character indictment of all the millions of people who voted for Trump in the in the primary, I just I simply don't think that's fair. All right, let me tell y'all about Cozy Earth. Okay, my husband and I love Cozy Earth. We would be getting our products there, our loungewear and our sheets and our bedding and blankets from Cozy Earth, even if they were not a sponsor, because we love how their stuff feels so much. It is so ridiculously, luxuriously soft, all their stuff. My husband actually just bought this hoodie from there and he's like, okay, I need one from in every color because I love it. I love their sheets. I am so spoiled by Cozy Earth that I never want to be wearing anything else or sleeping on any other kind of sheets because they are just so soft. It's all made from premium viscous, made from highly sustainable bamboo. Everyone who tries Cozy Earth absolutely loves them. Plus, if you use code RELATABLE at checkout, that's CozyEarth.com, code RELATABLE, you can save up to 35%. That's an awesome deal. CozyEarth.com, code RELATABLE. CozyEarth.com, code RELATABLE. Now, I am going to give you some reasons why, even though I am happy about some Trump accomplishments, I am concerned about Trump leadership as someone who is a social conservative, as someone who is a Christian first, a Christian conservative. Um, I just don't think that he is conservative enough when it comes to when it comes to policy. So let me read you some things or let me play you some things um, that he has said and compare it to some other people. Um 
on the field. And then you can tell me. You can tell me what you think. Um, Okay, let's look at abortion. Um, So Trump has not taken part in any of the debates, the primary debates so far leading up to Monday's caucus. He did um, appear in a Fox News town hall. It took place in Des Moines uh, last Wednesday, and um, he was uh, he was asked by this woman, how can I be assured How can you reassure me, she said, that you can protect every person's right to life without compromise? And here was Trump's answer. This is thought three. Now, I happen to be, uh, for the exceptions, uh, like Ronald Reagan with the life of the mother, uh, rape, incest. I have I just have to be there. Uh, I feel there's a lot of people say a lot of, you know, if you talk five or six weeks, a lot of women don't know if they're pregnant in five or six weeks. I want to get something where people are happy. You know, this has been tearing our our country apart for 50 years. Nobody's been able to do anything. And again, you can only ask that question and you ask it brilliantly. And I understand exactly where you're coming from. I love where you're coming from. But we still have to win elections. Okay, so he was in context. He was saying the only reason you're able to ask that question is because I helped the overturning of Ray of of overturning of Roe by nominating uh, the Supreme Court justices that uh, that were on the majority of that decision, and that is true. And you can see just so classic Trump that he is uh, extremely charming, even when he is answering a question in a way that. I don't like because I don't like his answer, but he does, uh, you know, pay compliments and and honor the person who is asking the question. But he did not give her the reassurance that he is going to protect every beating heart and every life. And you can see it there that he is four exceptions for the life of the mother, rape and incest. Well, as we all know, abortion is not necessary to save the life of the mother. Delivery is. Either way, the baby has to come out. And so if the life of the mother is at risk, which we should all care about as pro-life people, understanding that that mother's life is of equal value, that baby has to come out, that baby has to be delivered. Um, And so there is no need to dismember or poison or kill that child before the child is delivered. Now, again, this could be a premature delivery. The doctor should do everything possible to try to save both lives. That is the pro-life position. Assenting to this idea that you have to allow abortion to uh, try to uh, help the health of the mother, that The category of health, as defined by Doe v. Bolton, that means emotional health, that means mental health. It just opens the door to all kinds of exceptions, which basically allows abortion through all nine months. And Trump should know that. He should know that as someone who has now been in pro-life and conservative Republican politics for a while now. He also said he's for exceptions and rape and incest. We've talked about that several times. You're basically giving the death penalty for uh, to the child rather than to the rapist. That is morally and ethically egregious. He is right that that is where most people are, though. Um, and he does go on to say, look, if we don't compromise on this issue, basically, then we are going to lose elections and then you lose everything. That is a position. That's a position of a lot of people within the Republican Party. He is not wrong to say that that is the position of a lot of people in the Republican Party. And so a lot of people will listen to that or watch that and say, yeah, that's representative of me. But I did not, as a staunch 
pro-lifer did not get the assurance um, that that I need to know that he is as pro-life as I am. And what I think is more egregious um, is a comment that he made on Meet the Press several months ago when he was talking about Governor DeSantis's um, Florida's SB 30, 300, uh, which is the Heartbeat Protection Act. It prohibits abortions once the unborn child has a detectable heartbeat. And here is Trump on uh, Meet the Press talking about that. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15 Are you weeks? talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I, would, I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Okay, a terrible thing and a terrible mistake to sign a heartbeat bill. Oh, my goodness. A terrible thing and a terrible mistake to protect babies with a beating heart inside the womb. So I just can't get down with that. I, I'm sorry. I just can't get down with that. And then here is Trump also talking with Megyn Kelly um, about uh, transgenderism. And she asks a very simple question. Can a man become a woman? And here's what Trump had to say. Can a man become a woman? Um, <laughs> in my opinion... You have a man, you have a woman. I, 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 think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no. Although they'll come up with some answer to that also. Someday, <laughs> I heard just the other day, they have a way that now the man can give birth. No, I would say uh, uh, I'll continue my stance on that. Uh, okay, so at the end, to be fair, he did say, I would say no. But this is not a complicated question. It's not a complicated question at all. Can you imagine just a few years ago hedging on that? Ten years ago, can a man become a woman? First of all, it would be impossible to even comprehend why that question is being asked ten years ago. I think even Hillary Clinton probably in 2016 would have been able to say, no, a man cannot become a woman. She probably would have said something crazy about gender. But now we have the... Uh, potential Republican nominee not really knowing what to say and kind of him hawing around that question. Look, I just want someone who's clear on that. And Trump is not the only one who's unclear on that. I think he represents probably a lot of boomer cons who wouldn't know exactly what to say about that. Um, and so that maybe that's why he is uh, so appealing to that demographic, because the less online you are, the I don't know, the the less you know really about what's going on and what language to use. I don't really want someone to hedge on that. I want someone to know for sure. But this is a difficult is a difficult position for Trump because he has a pretty strong LGBTQ so-called contingency uh, in his base. And I mean, he's got Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, who is a big supporter of him. So I think that he is going to have difficulty being extremely clear on that. Now, he has been clear in the past about, you know, I think men and men's sports, women and women's sports and things like that. I just don't want someone who is going to hedge. It's very, very clear. Now, on immigration, some people are also pointing out, because this was something that people really liked about Donald Trump, but he did give amnesty to cover 1.8 million dreamers. That was triple Obama's DACA. A lot of people have also criticized him for not... Uh, building the wall. And also people also criticize his First Step Act, which was a soft on crime 
act. And so for all of the talk about Trump being very strong on crime and uh, being very tough on immigration and strong on the issues that you know, evangelicals and conservatives care about. If you look at his record, in some ways he was, in some ways he really was not. In some ways, like with the First Step Act, he was soft on crime. Now, that is something that I care a lot about, that I find egregious to be soft on crime in any way. I think a lot of people look back at how 2020 was handled with the riots and not just 2020 and the riots and all of the just chaos that was allowed to go on uh, in these major cities, but also with COVID. People are still concerned with how he handled COVID, his refusal to fire someone like Christopher Ray, his refusal to fire someone like Fauci. Now, some people will defend that, um, but those are concerns that people like me have. All right, y'all. If you have not gotten your meat from Good Ranchers, what are you doing? Are you seriously still going into the grocery store and trying to pick out the right cut of meat and actually believing that little sticker on the package that says made in the USA? Newsflash, it's probably not. That meat was probably packaged in the USA and imported from overseas. But at Good Ranchers, you know for sure that all of your meat, your better than organic chicken, your craft beef, your seafood, every bit of meat that you're getting from Good Ranchers, it's all from American farms and ranches 100%. Right now, they've got an awesome deal going on. You can subscribe to any box of Good Ranchers so that meat comes to your front door once a month and they will add four free two pounds of pre-trimmed better than organic chicken breast to your order. No antibiotics ever. You can trust the quality of this stuff. Go to goodranchers.com, pick your box, use my code Allie, and you'll save $20 off your order plus that $189 of free chicken. Go to goodranchers.com, code Allie, goodranchers.com, code Allie. And then if you look at someone like Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley also for me just isn't conservative enough on these issues. Um, When it comes to abortion, she said this, this was April 28th, 2023. She says, some states have passed laws protecting life. I commend them for that. Other states have doubled down on abortion. I wish that wasn't the case, but it is. Different people in different places are taking different paths. What? In the moral relativism. That's what the founders of our country envisioned is the reality of living in a democracy. I said, I want to save as many babies and help as many moms as possible. To do that at the federal level, the next president must find national consensus. You don't save any lives if you can't enact your uh, position into law. And so I would say that that is similar to Trump. Uh, She is more pragmatic, more willing to compromise when it comes to abortion uh, because she just wants something that is able to get passed. Again, I would say that is a position that is probably the more popular position to take. I'm giving you my perspective as a conservative Christian and uh, pro-lifer. On December 11th, she was asked about the Kate Cox abortion case, which we have talked about, we talked about on this podcast, that uh, this woman in Texas who wanted an abortion because tragically uh, her child was uh, was diagnosed with trisomy. Was it trisomy 13? I think. I think. Um, anyway, it's a pretty fatal diagnosis. You die either in utero right after birth Very rarely can they live into their teen years. And so she wanted to abort this child. Texas law doesn't allow for that because her life was not at 
uh, risk. And so she traveled to actually get a a 18 plus week abortion. Um, And so in response to that, uh, Nikki Haley said, I don't know the details of the case you're referring to, but what I can tell you is that the issue didn't need to be in the hands of unelected justices. It needs to be in the hands of the people because it's a personal issue for every woman. What does that mean? What does that mean? That is not staunchly pro-life. That is not a staunch position when it comes to protecting the life of the child. We should not allow the murder of children just because they might be disabled or may have a hard life. That child is still made in the image of God. That child is, is still has value. Is that the principle that we apply to children outside of the womb? Well, it certainly should not be. Um, she has made several comments about abortion that are similar to that. I guess I don't have to go through all of them. Uh, but then here she is on transgenderism. Uh, this is Sussex. Now, can a man become a woman? There's been a lot that's been talked about when it comes to um, all of these roles and all of these issues. We want to make sure people can live any way they want to live. I don't think government needs to be in control of anybody's life. You go live the way you want to live. You should be free to live the way you want to live. And every and government and everybody else should stay out of your way. I think that, you know, you always have to believe in freedom and allowing people to live the life the way they want to live. And if that's how they choose, then, you know, I don't think government should have any say in that. Okay, so let me give you some context on that because I don't want to decontextualize her. She is talking about before 18, she's against puberty blockers. She's against uh, these surgeries to change your body. After 18, she's saying that anyone should be able to do what they want to do. Government should stay out of the way. The problem with that, of course, is that if someone um, can change their license, someone can change their identity, and then someone can change their body, um, then it is very difficult to keep that man out of women's spaces. It is very hard to make a case that that person should not be in a female prison, that that person should not be in a female domestic abuse shelter, that that person should not be swimming on, um, you know, uh, the woman's swimming team. Um, And so that, again, that position is probably representative of a lot of people. She's trying to get that independent vote. Uh, That's not for me. That's not where I stand. That's not the position that I'm in. I think a lot of conservative women are also just notably more conservative than both Trump and Haley. Now, when it comes to DeSantis, I just find that he is more conservative on these issues. As I already said, he signed SB 300, the Heartbeat Protection Act, uh, which I'm which I'm thankful for when he has been asked to articulate his positions on abortion. He says on issues that are fundamental, he asks, why are you in office? Are you in office to put your finger in the wind and try to contort yourself into a pretzel? Which I would say was both Trump and Haley's position, by the way, on abortion. Or he asks, are you in office to stand up for things you believe in? Uh, He's also explained how he's made changes to help people afford babies as well, such such as making all baby items tax-free in Florida. He was also asked uh, in September of last year by Glenn Beck, can a man become a woman? And here's what he had to say. Let me ask you something. Can a man become a woman? No. (laughs) How ridiculous that we're even asking that question. And, you know, sometimes people will knock me because they'll say that he's talking about woke and you shouldn't worry about like, like people say, who cares about it? Right. Look, society needs to be grounded in truth. 
And if you're telling me a man can get pregnant and you're telling me a man can become a woman, that is not true. Uh, and I'm not going to accept that as true. And I'm not going to be complicit in a lie. And if our society is built on a mountain of lies, uh, even on those issues, which maybe some people don't care as much about, uh, how are you going to have a situation where you're going to have uh, get things right? Yes, that's absolutely right. It's not difficult to answer that question. Can a man become a woman? Like you don't need to hem haw, you don't need to hedge, you don't need to, as he said about the pro-life issue, contort yourself into a pretzel. You know, that's what people really liked about DeSantis is that um, he is extremely clear and extremely articulate in explaining the position that not only he has on these issues, but that a lot of us have. He is, in my opinion, the most conservative choice that we have, and he has a record of implementing, of applying that conservatism in a way that makes positive, widespread change and has made Florida the beacon of freedom that it is. That's why people are leaving states to go to Florida because of DeSantis's policies. And I'll just be honest, it is very difficult for me to understand why he isn't doing better than he is in the primary. Like, I'm not saying that any campaign is perfect. Of course, we can analyze all different campaigns and say they should be doing this. They should be saying this. They should be going to this place. They shouldn't be saying this. The online people represent whatever it is. Like, there are plenty of analyses that uh, we can give. But when it comes to his record, he is by far the most conservative choice that we make. I'm not indicting your character. I'm not questioning your morality. If you are voting for one of these other people, we're all going to have to come together at one point and figure this out and decide what we're going to do in November. But when it comes to the candidates in the field right now, yes, I think DeSantis is the most conservative on the issues that matter most to me, on these culture war moral issues, issues that we know on this podcast are not primarily political issues, but are biblical issues. Gender, abortion, the family, these things are biblical Genesis 1 issues. And all of that really matters to me. And I think that he's right when he says that society has to be grounded in truth. These are not like uh, peripheral issues that we can just push to the side and think, oh, we don't need to care about that. We can just care about the economy. That's how we got where we are right now. That's what the Republican Party has been for decades. And that's why we are even debating if a man can become a woman. We have to have a culture warrior in office. Um, And obviously, policy-wise, he has enacted protections for women in sports and women in domestic abuse shelters and things like that. And I'm just grateful for it. So that's my stance. I know that for saying that, there's a ton of Trump people that are going to come online and say how awful that is, how terrible that is to be for another candidate in the primary. Sorry about it. It's, you know what, this is a free country. We're allowed to articulate our views and to support the people we want to support and to make the case for them. And when it comes to their records, I just think DeSantis is the most conservative pick that we got. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, All right, that's enough of my analysis. That's where I stand on it. That's where the race stands right now. Uh, We'll see what happens. I'll bring you the analysis as it comes. And right now I want you to hear from Steve Dace. As I said, he is um, an expert especially when it comes to Iowa politics, he's going to give us a breakdown of what really happened and what he thinks we can expect going forward. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I know that you are in high demand, especially today. So let loose, break down what happened last night. 
Well, I think there's two trains of thought here. Um, on the primary side, there's one, and then what it means maybe going forward in a potential general election alley, there's another. So let's start on the primary side because uh, uh, to the victors go the spoils. Uh, the president and his team should be given their flowers. Uh, this was a dominant performance. They more than doubled the all-time caucus margin of victory record mm-hmm. set by Bob Dole. Not the year he won the nomination, by the way. It was set in 1988. But, I mean, this was this was a very dominant victory for sure. Uh, and, um, and it turned out that the public perception of his support ended up being accurate. So uh, there's no question that uh, it, it's a significant uphill climb uh, to dethrone him in his in this primary primary moving forward. So I think I think that's the for one of the big narratives uh, in this primary electorate. I think Nikki Haley doesn't have a base really within the Republican Party. I mean essentially her base is basically the John Kasich voter. That's mm-hmm. essentially her base. Uh, and then for for Ron DeSantis, he was able to peel away about 20% of Trump's support. You know, traditionally, Iowa punches two or three tickets out every cycle. Um, and so he gets one of those tickets. And I think what he'll need to monitor moving forward is, you know, um, on, on righty Twitter, where you and I have to hang out some, it's part of our gig. You know, there's kind of this uh, uh, Twitter grift core, uh, you know, uh, mythology. We erect DeSantis. And none of that's true. His favorables have remained very high with both uh, Trump voters and Republican voters as a whole this entire entire time. And I think as long as he can not risk, uh, you know, those favorables plummeting, because that would mean a, a, a hindrance to his overall political brand at just 45 years old. As long as he cannot risk that, then he wants to continue to challenge the president or the former president for this nomination, then he's perfectly fine to do so. If I were advising him, the minute you start to see uh, those favorables erode, I, I would take that as voters saying you gave it your best shot and this isn't your time and and not to take on unnecessary water. Um, but I think those are all decisions that will all be made, you know, uh, probably by the end of February through the South Carolina primary. And I think people will reassess where they're at from there. So yeah. that's kind of the primary train of thought. You want to respond to that at all before we talk about what it means for a general election? Well, I have, a, I, I have a lot of thoughts and, and a lot of things to say. If I remember correctly, Joe Biden came in fourth in the Iowa caucus, correct? Correct. And then yeah. came away with the nomination. Now, there's a lot, I think, that happened in between Iowa and South Carolina for Joe Biden that we don't have time to get into today. But it is mm-hmm. not unprecedented that someone would lose Iowa um, and still yeah. and still have the nomination. What happened in 2016 with Trump in Iowa? If uh, he finished, he finished almost third. Okay, actually, right. he it was Cruz, uh, him and then. Rubio were neck and neck for second. He barely edged out uh, Cruz or, or Rubio for for second, and Cruz won uh, overall by about four points. Okay, so are you surprised with the results in? In Iowa, I mean, obviously, we've got a strong evangelical base in Iowa. You would imagine that someone like DeSantis would have a pretty heavy pull with them. But obviously, most of them went for Trump. At the same time, though, there's some conflicting numbers that say that white evangelicals didn't turn out enough for Donald Trump or as much as they had in the past. So what do you make of the evangelical response to the candidates on the table now? Well, that gets us to the general election aspect of things. Uh, there are ominous signs. And, and, you know, you know, the way my mind works, I try to always think about what do my opponents and enemies think mm. and try to get ahead of that rather than, you know, uh, sit around and, and, you know, smoke cigars and slap five. Uh, I, I want to know, OK, we just beat our, the bad guys. What are they going to try to come at next? You know, and so if I were at the DNC today, here's what I would be saying. 
Donald Trump won an extremely record low turnout in a race that's 97% white, mostly rural, and white evangelical turnout plummeted nine points mm-hmm. from where it was at in when he ran in 2016. 64% there, of caucus goers in 2016 to 55% this year. Correct. There, there is simply no way. I, I, the Republicans could nominate uh, Heinz Ketchup. It doesn't matter who the Republican nominee is. They are not winning a general election with a depressed amount of white evangelical turnout. doesn't matter what percent, you know, there's always this talk that Trump has this unique um, uh, association with white evangelicals. Actually, his overall number wasn't much different that he received in both of his elections. Ali, it wasn't much different than what Mitt Romney got in 2012. It's just his turnout was larger. Okay. So it's, it's not the size of the slice of the pie. It's the size of the pie. So it's it's not that he received 78 or, or 68 or whatever it was percent of the evangelical vote. It's that it was down nine points from 2016. And that that also, if you look at the overall turnout, this is the worst turnout in the history of the Iowa caucuses. It's not the lowest number. But when you consider that we have a record number of Republicans and and this is the number we posted it, it per capita, it's the worst. Mm. We had a 41 percent drop in uh, overall turnout from 2016. There's a few factors that you could point to, you know, and say, hey, Steve, you were the one complaining about the weather. That's yeah. true. It still sucks here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people may have thought, too, when they looked at uh, the polls and said, well, he's so far ahead. I don't have to risk the cold. I'll just stay home. That's part of it, too. I, I'm hoping those are true. Those are the reasons why. And this is unique. But but here's the thing, Ali. Last year. In special and off-year elections, Democrats, on average, outperformed the demographics of those races by nine points. Our base was demoralized last year, too. And, and, and in 2022, what did we see? We did not see the red wave that we were promised outside of, say, Florida and Iowa. It didn't materialize almost anywhere else. So I, I, I can't think of a time that a political party had a victorious general election with a depressed primary electorate. That, that almost never happens. You right. cannot win with just your base, but you can't win without a completely energized base either. So how much of this is people are like, well, I'm bored, he's going to win anyway, and I'll see you in November. That could certainly be a factor. But what concerns me is that last year, our base was pretty demoralized and had depressed turnout as well. And then again, and then the other thing you look at is in the four most populous counties of Iowa, Donald Trump uh, averaged only 41% in those counties. So 10 points what he ran statewide. And and Iowa doesn't have a lot of urban areas that are Democrat anyway. Uh, so we're talking suburbs and exurbs. And those have been the kryptonite in the Trump era. Now, in a state like Iowa, which still has a lot of critical mass in, in rural areas, uh, Donald Trump can overcome that with his with his rural support. But But Arizona doesn't have that. Georgia doesn't have that. Pennsylvania doesn't have that. Michigan doesn't have that. Wisconsin doesn't have that. Georgia doesn't have that. North Carolina doesn't have that. And so we are left again with 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 Donald Trump's going to have to show moving forward that, uh, yes, his base seems to be maybe more energized, his hardcore base than maybe it's ever been right now, given what they're trying to do to him and everything else, which is understandable. But in, in terms of 294 days from today and a path to 270, there, there's no there's nothing in the Iowa numbers at all that indicate he is more electable in a general election now than he was 48 hours ago. If anything, you see the same trend lines that that were problems for Republicans the last several cycles. Right. You know, Ron DeSantis outperformed what people thought. They outperformed his polling numbers. That was something that you predicted and you were correct about that. Um, a lot of people were saying, well, Nikki Haley, she is going to run away with the number two spot, 
easily. Yet when I talk to people, uh, you know, the listeners who are in Iowa, I'm sure you feel the same way. I get a lot of now, again, this is kind of just pulling from my audience. So it's not necessarily um, indicative of everyone in Iowa. But Mm -hmm. the suburban moms that follow me are saying, well, I and everyone I know are voting for DeSantis. And they'll say, I know some people voting for Trump, but they'll say, I know no one voting for Nikki Haley. There are no Nikki Haley Mm -hmm. signs in my neighborhood. There are a lot of DeSantis signs, a few Trump signs, but there are no Nikki Haley signs. Now, you're saying that most of her voters are coming from the kind of John Kasich uh, camp. I guess. Um, And Democrats, correct? There are non-Republicans, I should say. Non-Republicans. So independents and Democrats went out and they voted for Nikki Haley. Correct. So over, so we actually had more non-Republicans vote in the 2016 caucuses, 21% than the 16% that voted this time. But, but this time uh, they were all either uh, Trump voters who don't want to register Republican and, and, uh, or more likely for Haley. Uh, for example, the only reason Haley was even in the ballpark for second place last night is she beat Ron DeSantis 32 to eight among non-Republican voters in my suburban district, uh, which is one of the most most populous, densely populated areas in the entire state of Iowa. The biggest mall in the state is, you know, uh, a 20 minute walk from my house, basically. Um, You know, I I, I saw several people that I know are Democrats, that I know are Democrat operatives, walked in uh, to campaign or to and with Haley stuff and and registered Republican. We had 140 people vote in my precinct. Thirty three of them uh, were people who were Democrats that switched to Republicans and they all voted for Haley. Uh, And she narrowly ended up winning my precinct as a result. In fact, when when I got up as the precinct captain for DeSantis to give my speech for Ron, I actually pointed out in the room the Democratic operatives were there in my speech. I said, hey, one of the reasons. I'm supporting Ron is like our governor, Kim Reynolds. He has reduced the Democratic Party to smoldering ash, which is why Democrat operatives are sitting at these tables over here to come over here and vote for Dickie Haley. They don't have a party in Iowa, so they have to come over here and vote in ours. I said that right to them, you know, and so that's that's so within within the within the right. Her base is the Kasich Republican that would. So so she would have gotten 10 percent last night. May struggle to get out of double digits. She got into the high teens because of the amount of Democrats that crossed over to vote for her last night. Which is so interesting that as someone who served in the Trump administration, who in some ways has certainly been conservative as the governor of South Carolina, that she can garner so many Kasich-like votes, that she can garner so many independent votes. I don't know if it's because she's been wishy-washy on abortion. She's been wishy-washy on the trans issue. She's obviously more of a hawk than uh, a lot of people on the stage. So, uh, But it is interesting to me that she has gotten so much independent support when really, I mean, she she's, uh, she's still a Republican. Like, she's still pretty conservative on a lot of things. It just is surprising to me that they are willing to vote for someone who was in the Trump administration and really has not bashed Trump as much as I would imagine a lot of independents would like their candidate to. Well, it is, here, here's what's happening with her. What, what's happening with her is you know, I, I know it seems as if Mitch McConnell will be Senate Republican leader long after you and I are six feet under, and that might be correct. Okay, but but notwithstanding people like him uh, in places like Washington D.C., across the country, much of the corporatist wing of the Republican Party has been annihilated. Even even Republicans who are favorable to that wing, like say your governor, uh, for example, Greg Abbott, have to at, at the very least, when the cameras are on, toe a completely different line. 
because you're just not going to get away with George w, the George W. Bush era talking points out in the open. You'll get eviscerated. She is adopting them openly because it is very clear that she is allowing her candidacy to be a cudgel by which that wing of the party can be reemergent. And that's where all the talk about her being a Trump running mate is coming from. That's why I think the Koch brother uh, dropped 70 million on her campaign in the final weeks in Iowa. Right. I don't think that was for campaign spending, Ali. I think that yeah. was a dowry. Yeah. I, I think that was a the, the Trump team. On one hand, the, the former president's personal fortune is under attack in New York right now. On the other hand, they are struggling to raise money and they need a massive legal defense fund against all of these indictments. And so th I think that that was an advertisement to the Trump, to Donald Trump and his family to say, hey, if you put her on the ticket, there's a lot more where that comes from. We can write really? a lot of checks uh, to help no your cash way, flow right? situation. Because if you if you follow MAGA online, they do not like Nikki Haley. I have not seen any of the hardcore right. MAGA people say, oh, yeah, you know, Nikki Haley might give us a balanced ticket. They all think that Vivek is going to be the VP pick, which I don't yeah, think at but all. They won't, make it, they, won't, they won't make any of the decisions. I, well, yeah, I, I went through this with right. Donald Trump in 2016 when he was wooing me to work for him. I never met Jared Kushner, didn't know he existed. Um, I didn't have to go through any of these people. I dealt directly with the former president and his personal assistant and campaign manager. The minute he became the presumptive Republican nominee, the family closed the circle in the loop. Jared Kushner came in, started running things. That's what will happen here. The mm -hmm. minute that he becomes the presumptive uh, nominee, if that were to happen, everybody that's not around him now, but really ran the White House will come back. And 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 that's where these kinds of deals get cut. You can you can see the family internal squabbling about this in media. You, Don Jr., who's much more aligned with people like us, who's much more in tune with kind of the movement uh, on the right, he's like, no way. I'll do everything I can possibly do for Nimrod and not be the nominee. His sister, Laura, is out there saying, hey, I think she'd be pretty good. OK, I, I think that that's an internal fight in the family because they do have, you know, there's a reason why the kids went to that New York courtroom to testify. What the Democrats are trying to do is essentially steal the Trump empire from him. And and so they're 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 facing some existential threats here beyond just trying to win an election. And I, I do think there is a serious wing within that family. The kinds of people that were the reasons we were often if we were disappointed with, with Trump when he was president, it's because these people were the ones making the decisions, the Kushner wing. I think they would absolutely push hard for somebody like Nikki Haley. And I think that's why the the hardcore MAGA movement people that you and I know, they know that, too. That's why they're being so militant against her now. They're they're trying to send a, or at least least hoping to send a message. Can I just be honest, a Trump Haley ticket, like as involved as I am in the political commentating culture war sphere, I feel that malaise that we were talking about. I do not feel excited to go out and vote for that in November. Now, of course, when it comes down to it, anyone is better than Joe Biden. Of course, I think that ticket is better than Joe Biden. But am I excited about it? Am I mobilized? And if I feel that, if I feel that, knowing uh, no. what we know about what is at stake, and I know everything about what is at stake, I mean, as much as a person can anyway, I don't feel mm -hmm. excited about that. If I don't feel excited about alone. that, I know for sure yeah. that the other moms and the preschool carpool line are not feeling excited about that either. There's a dirty little secret here that a lot of times we don't want to talk about because it's really not good for business. But, you know, there's a lot of members of your audience that didn't write a book last year and they almost sold as many books as Carrie Lake did. <laughs> this, this idea that this is some impenetrable brand I mean, there's a reason why you pay for bot farms and do things like that, to inflate your, the perception of, of, of your worth. 
So this idea that this is an impenetrable brand and, and, and all of America is just lining up to join it is just simply not true. You're the comments that you just made from the heart, just reflect that as somebody who's as hardcore on the front lines, involved in the party and everything as you are. And, and that is why I believe I said at this at the start of this year, one of my 10 predictions was if the rate, if the, if the election is Trump Biden, RFK Jr. is going to break Ross Perot's modern-day record mm. for the highest good vote point. percentage by a non-major party candidate. That's a good point. He's going to break it. And I, now, unlike Perot, who mostly took from H.W. Bush, you know, the, it's going to be an interesting ratio how much he takes from each side because there are, you know, that's it's funny too. There was only the, there was only one age demo that Donald Trump didn't win last night in yeah. Iowa. Youngest voters and Ron DeSantis won them going away. I know. I right? love to see. I can that. see that, and I can I can see that entire demographic voting for RFK Jr. in the fall. And I think, mm-hmm. by the way, I think that's true on the Democratic side too. I could see that entire demographic voting for him too uh, on the other side. So I, I don't know, you know, necessarily the media will tell you if RFK Jr. is hurting Biden or not. They'll say, you know, this has to stop. Uh, if he's hurting Trump, they'll say it's great for democracy, you yeah. know. But um, I, I do think he'll get over 20 percent in November if the if the choices are Biden and Trump. Yeah. You know what? I think I think that you're right. I think that's really interesting, especially with the suburban moms that I just talked about. Amazingly, they mm-hmm. might be willing to compromise on some other stuff just to vote for someone who is so for medical freedom. And that's honestly a mm-hmm. contrast from Trump. You got the person who's and doesn't make them frankly the feel like. Who, yeah, go ahead. It doesn't doesn't make him feel like when I'm in the church foyer or atrium, I have to be ashamed of talking about politics. Don't do not underestimate that factor. OK, mm. that that is absolutely a thing for sure. And you know that you know that even better than me. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I really, really appreciate it. Everyone, make sure go out, listen to Steve's show because he'll have a lot more analysis actually on his show today. And I'm sure the rest of the week. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks, Allie. Always good to see you. God bless. All right. Last sponsor for the day is My Patriot Supply. It's 2024. We're talking about the election. And if you haven't picked up on it yet, we have no idea what's going to happen this year. Now, hopefully it's a great uneventful year and nothing crazy happens. But if anything, if if the past few years have taught us anything, it's that you just never know what to expect. So you want to make sure that your family is prepared with a food supply should things really hit the fan. Uh, We have My Patriot Supply. You can put it in your laundry room, your closet, your pantry, and it's good for 30 years. And it's a three-month emergency food supply. Once you break into it, you'll want to make sure that you have uh, a prepare a a kit, a a food kit for every person in your family so you can be fully prepared that way. If you go to preparewithally.com, you'll uh, get a discount. You'll save $200 on an essential three month emergency food kit from my patriot supply go to preparewithally.com preparewithally.com all right we got all the serious stuff out of the way all the important stuff and now we are going to talk about something that's in the grand scheme of things very unimportant but it's fun uh we're going to talk about the emmys that apparently occurred last night and uh, we're going to rate some outfits. Let's change up the scale, Brie. Let's do 10 being the best this time because last time that was very confusing. Yeah, we got confused. 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. Let's rate some of these outfits. Um, okay, let me scroll to where it is in my document. Okay, I don't, I don't know all of these people. Okay, I know a lot of these people. Let's do Suki Waterhouse. 
We got the picture. Is she pregnant? Yes. She's pregnant? Okay. Yeah. Well, I love I, I love a pregnant gal on the red uh it's a white beige the carpet. White, the white carpet, I guess. Um, and she is wearing red. Now, I do not like this dress. I think there is a lot that can be done that is beautiful for maternity outfits. But this is not one. This is not the style that I love. And okay. you know, I actually I picked this angle because there's one from the side and it is all hanging out. And so. Yeah. If people are just listening to this, it's basically like a rectangle that's just covering the front of her torso. But the side and the back is all out. And wow, that's a lot. I'm <laughs> going to give this a three. I'm going to give it a two. Okay, yeah. Again, as as I always say, very beautiful woman. Pregnancy is beautiful and can be accentuated and highlighted. This just is very like it's she hard to do a drop great. waist. It's hard to do a drop waist at all ever in any way unless you're a flapper girl. Um but pregnant, that's an interesting choice. So yeah, I'm going to go with the 3. Okay. Uh I don't know who Suki Waterhouse is by the way. She's um Robert Pattinson's girlfriend. Okay. Does she is she in She's any... a singer? Okay. Okay, yeah. Suki. Okay, let's do Ali Wong. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw this yesterday. I don't like this. Now, Ali Wong as a comedian is very funny. She is one of the few female comedians that makes me laugh out loud. Mm. Um, but I don't love this. I don't I don't love the mixed media thing going on i'm going <laughs> to going well it's a little better than the last one because the fit is nice i'm gonna give it a four and a half i'm gonna give it a three three okay so better to you than the last one yeah slightly but not <laughs> but much what do you hate about much. it it's just there's so much there's so much going there's on so much the top the black on the top and then the foil yeah the black i can't really see that but you're right yeah why i don't know so strange i don't know okay uh donald glover mm, it's hard to see the details in this one yeah it's i mean it's not bad i guess and plus he's so he's wearing black and white and he's against a black and white background yeah so i i don't think i love for the guy a like blazer with what looks like a cami underneath it. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me fair. of when Michael Scott accidentally bought a female suit, a <laughs> pantsuit, and he didn't realize it, it wasn't a, it was a woman's pantsuit. Um, but other than that, I think it looks kind of cool. So I'm gonna go with a five. Yeah, I like the details. I I don't. I mean, they're flowers, but I don't think it's like overly feminine. Feminine. Yeah, I think six. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can get down with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jenna Ortega. Is she she's Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Wednesday, Adam. Okay, we got a T length here. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> oh, I think we could have done so much better. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a four. Really? Yes. I think it's kind of cool. Maybe you can't see the details all the way. It's kind of like a trellis with like flowers and vines. Okay, and stuff. I can barely see that. I think it's kind of cool when you see the details. Um, so I would say seven. I kind of like it. Oh wow! See, I think it's not a great color. 
it is a very washout yeah, color. That's fair. For someone who is fair. Now, someone who had darker skin, I think it would probably look better. It's mm-hmm. not a bad dress. I just don't know if that is the best on her. I think so many colors will look so pretty with on her. That's not yeah. one of them, in my opinion. Okay, I don't know who this person is. Don't know how to pronounce their name. Ayo Edibiri? Yeah, Ayo, I think. Ayo? Okay. Okay, so I saw this yesterday and actually said that I liked it at first. <sighs> but we could do better. We could do better. Yeah. I'm going to go with a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say five. I think the leather is cool, though. Yeah, a and I like the dress. shape on her. I think it's very yeah. flattering, but yeah, the bottom. <laughs> weird. It a little trash weird. baggy. A little yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. April Ludgate. I mean, Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Here's my hot take. I know that it, that looks so bizarre because if you're listening to this, she's got a huge sewing needle through her chest. Not through her chest. Through the <laughs> chest of the dress. And obviously that's supposed to be a statement. Um, you know, like... It's supposed to be weird, but I think other than that and other than the boxiness at the top, which doesn't like show any shape at all, I think she looks amazing. This is probably the best I've ever seen her look for really? hair and makeup, I think. Oh, yeah. Her, her hair and makeup are amazing. For Great sure. color on her. Yeah. Not everyone can pull off that color. Oh, my gosh. I would look awful in that <laughs> color, but she looks great. And I say I don't always like her style. But besides the random sewing needle, I think she looks really, really good. So I'm going to give her probably, I'm going to give her just general look a seven. Okay. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. You said we could do better. I feel like that was the theme of the night. Yeah. I feel like everyone could have. Everyone? Me judging from my couch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you all could have done better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. But that's, you know what? They're supposed to be scrutinized. They're supposed to be judged their outfits are supposed to be judged that's why they take all the pictures so we can all comment on them and they're all beautiful human beings made in the image of god and i hope that jesus saves all of them okay does that make everyone feel better we're just (laughs) raiding their clothes because it's fun all right uh before we head out of here i just gotta tell you about one more thing one more thing for today and that is just a reminder to check out a new docuseries on blaze blaze originals by glenn beck he has gone to liberty county texas to give you the real story of colony ridge this is a development a community that is uh being built at a stunning rate we're talking like 200 lots a day and the interesting thing is is that the all these houses almost are housing illegals what what is going on who is behind it who is funding it why and how is this happening that's what glenn beck is digging into so go to blazeoriginals.com use code colony ridge you'll get 30 dollars off your subscription you'll get access to this and all of our other behind the scenes stuff the real story of colony ridge go to uh, blazeoriginals.com code colony ridge All right. That's all we've got time for today. We will see you back here tomorrow. 